Uh, morning, Pez. How are you going? Good. How are you? I am going really well, except I'm facing a week of rain in Sydney, which is not making me happy. Well, Melbourne is facing a week of stunning autumn weather, so it's going to be sort of mid-20s every day for a week. So does that better than anywhere else in Australia, I reckon? Yeah, especially once you get up to the high country. It's beautiful. Yeah. So uh, let's rip into it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, listeners, uh, Chris and I, Pez, and I have been chatting and looking at some of our previous podcasts, and a couple of the ones that trended really well were Radical Fuckwittery, which is about feedback, and ego. And on this one, we thought we'd revisit the ego thing. Pez and I have been doing a bit of research on this just out of interest. And we thought we'd give you a bit more on that. Um, so that's what we're going to discuss this morning. Yeah, great topic. And if yeah. we, if we, when we go back, it was actually our first podcast that we ever did was on ego. So there's probably a couple of reasons why we want to revisit it. One was our sound recording equipment at the time wasn't that great. <laughs> And, and and two, um, I guess it was potentially two years down the track now, isn't it? So we've we've yeah, probably had a lot more experiences and and situations where this keeps bobbing up. It's really interesting you say the bobbing up thing because it has kept bobbing up. Um, it's just popping up all over the place. And like you, I've been gathering little snippets of information on it that I think are worth sharing. Yeah. So you know what it might do right off the bat. And I love I love just typing in words into Google and saying you know definition whatever the word and then oh, that, that is a good thing to do. And I love I love this one because if I asked you to define ego in your words, what would you say? I'd say a person that's very self interested. Yeah, interesting. Well, that that would be someone with a high ego drive. Yes, the high in, ego. Yeah, in in relation to then the actual definition of ego. Um, it says a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. So exactly what, you know, along those lines, if you've got a high ego, we, we have that high sense of self-esteem and or self-importance, or like you said, um, uh, what, what was the word you used? Oh God, it's just self-interested. Self-interested. Yeah, self-interested, yeah. Um, and then potentially you look at the other way and you say, well, people with low ego or that don't let their ego get in their way are the people that are able to shelve that or park that sense of self-esteem or especially as we see in the commercial world, their self-importance. doesn't mean they're not important. It just means they're able to park their self-importance in a, in a group, yeah? So why don't we, um, uh, that's a really good definition firstly, and why don't we just break that down a bit mm-hmm. and um, rip into it in, in the arena of commerciality or people who own and operate their own business yeah sure so i think one of the things that really struck me was this that to start and run your own business you've really got to back yourself so by definition you're going to need some ego and some self-esteem and some self-esteem because i don't think i've met any business owner or owners plural that have got a low sense of ego. I don't know if you have. They have at some point down the track, but not initially. No, and there's that drive, isn't there, to, to get that drive. Going. Because you have to believe in something, don't you? You have to believe that your idea for your business is going to be wanted and loved by other people. Exactly. And that you can attract other people around you as well. So um, in that sense, 
Having a bit of a healthy ego is not necessarily a dirty word to... No, to quote. Use the sky hooks, I think it was. Shirley Strawn. Yeah, ego is not a dirty word. Um, and by way of an example with that, um, both you and I, Pez, worked for a business that needed to separate from another business. Yes. And the person we selected to do that, by his own self-admission, does have a very healthy ego. And he was actually the perfect person to do that because, if you recall, there was a lot of aggression, a lot of bile, a lot of hate, a lot of very insulting language hurled over the wall at him. And he just went, yeah, okay, cool. Well, this is what we're doing. You can say what you like. So it didn't distract him at yeah. all. If, would you yeah, and, and it's a great example because um, it goes back to something we've mentioned on a previous podcast around having, having those kind of wartime generals in your business, you know, like it, it, it's having um, CEOs and leaders for, for different contextual strategic phases of your business. And at yeah. that particular time, we needed someone that could, could let all that bile bounce off them. Which he did. He re- really did. And he was, the context was to separate and he was the perfect person for it. Yeah. However, subsequent to separating, you need someone who can bond the team because they're all a bit, all over the place after separating, which he was not very good at at all. And and in in fairness to our friend, is that by self admission as well? No, that wasn't. Well, it sort of was actually it, not in actually that language, but he just he he was it just 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 wasn't his bag really. Yeah, and and I think and, if I asked him, and if you asked him, he'd probably say, yeah, no, I wasn't. That wasn't. I wasn't that good at that. Yeah, and, and that's and, not taking anything away from him either because he was really good at that separation. Yeah, and I think that's because of what you're saying before, like if someone's even starting up their own business um, or going out on their own or, or as in this case, um, you know, bearing the brunt of, of a, a nasty separation, um, at some point you have to temper the ego and turn it, and turn it down or tone it down or let it, or, you know, that self-importance has to subside and give way to something else. And, you know, like you and I have discussed in the past, it's um, when we don't that have that awareness of how we're actually um, showing up in a group or as a, as a leader of teams or um, as, as a, you know, that, that general, so to speak, in your organisation, um, then you can be somewhat governed by impulse. Some of that subconscious behaviour pops up. Yeah, you'll see it. I recently have seen that pop up a huge time in, in not a good way. Um, I was just going to tell you a quick story on this. A friend of mine worked for a software company and he used to come, he's American, come to Australia, and he was very good at sales. But he told me about a review he had, and the reviewer of him in their business said, you're a really great salesman, Kurt, but the trouble is, Every time we you get a bear, there's only one arrow in it, and it's yours. <laughs> and so it was what essentially like you eat you eat what you kill kind of scenario, was it? Well, it was that he wasn't involving in the team in hunting down that bear. The, you know, maybe an unfortunate metaphor in terms of the bear, but no, was... no, bears are dickheads. <laughs> they do oh, like to love eat people. We love bears. I was actually just reading a book of bears with my daughter this morning. They're beautiful. We love bears. Yeah. Um, so, but he would he would find out who he, the target and just pursue it till he got it, but not involve anyone else. Yeah. 
And but and then what's the, what's the flow on effect of that? And and this is where I think that the ego conversation becomes very very important for anyone who's part of a, a team or is running their own business. Well, I think the flow on conversation is this as contextually if we could go up as high as we want to i would go right there on a limb and say egos will fucking well nail a team dead in the water yeah it's very difficult to run a team if you've got a big ego and uh, i think you nailed it right there mate and i'll and and just as a serve you know just so this serves as a bit of a welcome to nine uh, to 2019 cheapers uh 2021 (laughs) to all the listeners um Let's get some sporting analogies in. Uh, we'll, we'll come right to it. Some well, that's your bag is slightly more than mine, but let's do that. No, but like just so when when you said there, you know, ego will kill, knock the team dead. It will kill it dead if someone's leading a team or is an important part of that team, and they're governed by their 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 self worth or their self importance, and then and then impulsively acting upon that. Um, let's oh, break it down. This let's is horrible. What's that? Sorry. This will really horrify you. I can give you an analogy on this. Go on. When Buddy Franklin joined the Swans, everyone went, this will be the end of the Swans. Uncontrollable, you know, maverick. And somehow they just wrangled him into the team. And uh, as you know, I don't watch a lot of sport, but I, I don't mind watching the Swans occasionally. And he's definitely part of the team. You know, what you, said, you, know, you know what you just said there, how you don't mind watching the Swans occasionally? Yeah. That's the summary of every Swan supporter for the last... <laughs> God, I left myself over for that one. Isn't I, I don't really watch sports, but I don't mind watching the Swans occasionally. Occasionally. Did I talk like that? Yeah. And, and you put on your, your, your tweed jacket with your leather patches on your elbows and you head no, down no, to you the put on your, You put on your polo shirt and fold the collar up around your neck. <laughs> with, with, a, with a pullover tied over across the yeah, shop. The pull- I said to Glenda the other day, if I ever have a t- pullover tied around my neck, will you just whack me up the head? <laughs> well, I, look, look, Mark, sometimes my Please. shoulders get a little bit breezy and a bit chilled, so I like the pullover draped across the shoulders. Yeah, well, you can have, keep that one. So, no, but, but your, point, anyway. your, point, your point is well made, is that, is that um, gr- strong sporting cultures and environments and business cultures, and, you know, let's bring this back to business. Um, the business inv- uh, culture will, will be able to harness um, the good parts of people's ego and it'll be able to uh, bring some self-awareness to the bad parts, the bits that aren't serving the team. And I think, you know, it, it's well documented over the years. I think the Swans have probably done that better than most. Um, there's, and and why I wanted to sort of go back into a little bit of a sporting analogy, and back to your point about you know it, it'll knock the team dead if if that ego and that impulse control runs rampant. Um, you know, it's one of the things, and and people get sick of me crapping on about my my junior soccer teams, but it's one of the things we try to talk to the kids all the time is that you can be, you can try and be the superstar with the ball at your feet, and and this you know in a soccer context and take on half the team because you've got the skill to do it. But you can't think that that's what the team needs all the time because if they're making, you know, as part of a team sport, and this gets back to the, you know, the arrow and the bear and the sails and all these, you know, unfortunate analogies, um, is that if the other part members of the team are doing their bit to make, to get into the positions where they need to go and you never give the ball to them because you think it's your, your chance to, you know, run the field for your own sense of self-glory or self-gratification, 
then after a while, they will stop making the runs. And we see this all the time. We see it back in business. If, if you're the only person that takes the glory or doesn't involve anyone in a big project or a big sale, or it's got to be done your way, or you, know, you hoard all the important tasks that need to get done for something, eventually, what do the other members of the team do? They say, I'm not going to bother helping you anymore or I'm not going to offer that suggestion, or I'm not going to go that extra mile, or I'm not going to stay back a little bit later to finish this, because they don't see that they're part of the team. That's exactly right. Um, you've, and and it, while you're talking here, Pez, you've just reminded me of a TEDx talk, and I don't think we mentioned this in the last one on Ego, about it's called Super Chickens. Oh, yes. Remember, remember that? I'll make this really quick, where someone did a... a I think it might have been the presenter. I can't remember if it was Brené Brown. I think it might have been. Anyway, if anyone wants to look for it, go and look at it. Type in super chickens to TEDx. And this is all about teams and egos. And they did a study of what were the best performing teams. And they used chickens as their test because they breed quickly. So they got the super laying chickens. Then they had more chickens and they had more chickens. So to see who, which chickens could lay the most eggs quickly, what they discovered literally happened was that ultimately the super chickens simply killed each other. Literally, they pecked each <laughs> other for death. So then they morphed this over to humans and they discovered that if you have super chickens in your team, it doesn't work very well. No high-performing team has super chickens in it pretty much. No, might be a bit stronger word. Yeah. What you have is just really competent people in the team. And it's, it's a great analogy because I, I was watching a, a fantastic new documentary series on um, Amazon Prime, actually. And it started, and it's probably a bit more um, attractive to people in the Southern states because it does involve Australian rules football, but it was a behind the scenes documentary that they filmed all last year. And it's just been released on, on Prime. And it, and it follows the plight of six, six clubs, some individuals, but some clubs. Yeah. And there's, these scenarios where one of the teams they follow is Richmond who eventually won the premiership and another team they follow was uh, the Adelaide Crows who collected the wooden spoon, <laughs> right? It just so happens. And, and uh, uh, it's amazing that, you know, that these were some of the teams that, that the producers I reckon would have been absolutely stoked with the fact that they'd, they'd uh, actually nailed both of these teams, one at the top end of the table, one at the bottom. And you get these raw insights into their team meetings, their coaches, to, you know, meeting with the players and all that sort of stuff. And you've got one team that lost 13 games in a row. So you can imagine how testy that environment's starting to get. And you've got another team that's, that's um, expecting to go well, but they've got their lumps and bumps and struggles along the way before they eventually got it all together towards the end of the year in Richmond. And the amazing thing is that when you watch um, both the coaches involved, uh, Matthew Nix at the at the Crows and Damien Hardwick at Richmond, and the way the teams respond and react and discuss in the team meetings, it's it's never a super chicken scenario. I mean, professional sports back in the day used to be, you know, the, the coach would deliver the the fire and brimstone, and 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 the players would be challenged and embarrassed, and you know, almost like sort of shamed into performance in in a lot of ways. Um, now. You've got these, uh, the you know, the pointy end of, of an elite sport. And it's all discussion. It's all who's got, a, who's got a better idea. This is how we want to play. This is the stuff we're bought into. This is the culture and the values and the strategy and all the planning that we've got behind the scenes. 
but let's talk about where we're at. Let's talk about, you know, bring some stuff up, bring an idea to the table. There's a great scene where um, in, in the Crows rooms where, you know, they're, they're struggling. They've lost eight or nine or 10 in a row at this stage. And um, they're trying to discuss that the coach, it's quite funny actually, because this is very similar to what we see in business all the time. And, and the coach, Matthew Nick says, you know, we all understand how we, we want to go and play, but we're not doing it on the weekend. And one of the players basically pipes up and he's the captain. He kind of says, well, do we all understand? Like, you know, looks around the room and says, do, do we actually all understand our instruction? And, and like, that was like, when you ask that question after, you know, getting through a preseason and then halfway through a season, there, there's a good chance that the coach might feel affronted by that. Realistically, wouldn't you? Yeah, he would. You, 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 my job. Like, hang on a minute, shit. Are you challenging me with the fact that we haven't explained this properly or um, we haven't got through to the people properly or we're not doing our jobs? And so what do you reckon his uh, response was, the coach? Well, if he was a good coach, he would have asked everyone to explain what they thought it was to see if yep. he's delivered his, it to Exactly. His immediate response was, actually, that's a really good point. Let's explore that. Yeah, and then in the fine. next scene, they're actually breaking it down in a different way, yeah, and, and teaching the players. And then you know, within a few weeks, they got very close, and then they eventually won two, two or three games in a row. So, it, it's it's interesting how when you can park that ego in a very, um, I guess you know, a, a very you know high performance environment like we would like to think our organisations are. Um, the the key to that unlocking it all was basically just saying, you know what, that's a really valid point. It's not, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room all the time. Well, right there is the point, I think, is that a person with unhealthily large ego will think their idea is the idea. And if you're in a room with a team, as many as there are people in the room, there are that many ideas. And they all need to be aired and all need to be discussed because you can be almost certain that lurking in there is is an excellent idea. And to your point that you told me recently about the CEO, you're in a room and you decided mm. to do something. I mean, you can tell a story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a great, great example. I mean, do you want me to give Yes, I do, one? because I think it's really important. And I, after you've just told that little story, I think we should just briefly discuss what those two, well, I've got one and what that person's like. Okay. So working with a, with a call it a, you know, a big, small business, you know, so... Um, quite an organised uh, leadership structure, quite a you know organised um, senior leadership team, and and um, you know a, a, quite a number of employees. And working with the senior leadership team um, on a, on a particular strategic, um, a str- you know strategic planning sessions, if you like, um, going through you know where, where the business is going to be in the next few years and and beyond, and what are some of the key key assignments and projects. We'd organised a methodology, all right. Let's just call it that. We'd organised a methodology yeah. for the senior leaders to come back to the to the next meeting with, um, you know, a certain amount of planning and work done on on their pro- on their individual projects. When we got back into the room and and the and the MD, um, the managing director had had a brief of his own, so he had to come back with with the same level of work as everyone else. And he came back into the room and said, look, I haven't done it because I think I wanted to do it a different way. And I think there's a better way to do it. And he explained that way. And the kind of room sort of said, oh, well, let's see how today plans out. And then, and then we'll come back to what you said. 
And so right there was the first challenge. The room, the room could have gone, oh yeah, now we're all going to change our way without even really hearing about it or seeing how it went. The room could have buckled at that stage. Yeah. Or they, or they, yeah, they could have buckled or they could have bit back or they could have, you know, there could have been a lot of stuff going on yeah. there, but it's a testament to, I guess, the self-awareness of this particular group. Anyway, as the meeting rolls out, the managing director at the end says, you know what, I've seen the way we agreed to, and now I really understand why we agreed to do it that way. Forget what I said at the start of the meeting. I'll go back and I'll do it the way that we've, we agreed. And okay. right there was, I'm sitting there observing all this, and I go, that is why he's actually such a, a powerful and, and, you know, in a way loved leader of that organisation. Because he was came in with an idea, I think I've got a better way, guys, and here's my better way. You know, huh, huh, what do you reckon? Come on. They all kind of said, well, no, let, let's just see what we agreed to and we'll go through the work we've done. And at the end, he said, you know what, my way was not the better way. Your way's the better way or the way we agreed was the better way. Let's go do it that way. It's a perfect example. And the example I did give last time of the ego, um, I'm going to hit on two points here was the headmaster of my son's school a while ago mm -hmm. who simply just had no ego. It was quite extraordinary. Um, the, how that played out was that he was actually universally loved by the students, the parents, and the teachers. Yep. But my point, my fundamental point here is this, that you would think that would diminish his personal power, and I would say he's one of the more powerful people I've ever met. Precisely. And he didn't have to get that by taking it from anyone. He just was. And I think that is when you've been up the ego mountain, you stood on the top and gone, I've got a great big ego, aren't I? Fantastic. Then when you go down the other side, that's the place you hit. When you'll start to lose the ego, you get the self-awareness, you actually increase your personal impact quite significantly. Yeah. And 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 it's such a fine line, isn't it? With that. Oh, yeah. How much? How much am I giving away my power? Like, because it's a, it's a trust, it's a leap of faith, isn't it? To say it's a trust, and I think that's the, that's the critical word there. Is that's, yeah. so I bet that guy that you just talked about, his team would take a bullet for him, and and he would do absolutely it trusting. Yeah, and and that's the thing that there's there's absolute trust in that room that you know for a range of a range of reasons, but they all they all just trust each other. But if I'm, you know, let, let's put ourselves in the shoes of a, you know, a shareholder of a business or a member of a senior leadership team and, and they're going to play the, you know, the, the team game. What is it that they're not trusting in, in terms of giving away their, their, that ego or, or, just, or just diminishing it a bit? You know, just while I'm, there's a bit of a stream of consciousness here, but is, it, is the leap of faith to say, well, if I don't trust the people around me or we don't have a, a, a really solid culture built around what we believe in and how we go about it, um, am I fearful of this being used the wrong way? Am I fearful of this coming back to haunt me if I give away some of this power and, you know, I'm not seen as a strong enough leader? Or... I think that's, that I won't be seen as a strong enough leader is definitely yeah. one of them if I give away some of my power. There's a word I really like here. Um, I don't know how you react to this one, which is gracious. Mm -hmm. And the reason I like it is it's a way you can make the people f around you feel really comfortable and trust you without giving away any of your personal power. Mm. 
And I think that that's a real a real key to being a strong leader, isn't it? Yeah. So it goes mm-hmm. back. To, I think it also goes back to sucking out every idea in the room. And how often, even in the business we worked for, Pez, did someone would have an idea with a big ego, and then that was the idea. There was no discussion. Well, and yeah, exactly right. And I think that goes back to that example before about the, um, you know, I was giving about the, the kids playing soccer is that eventually if, if you, no one takes on your ideas or they keep getting like dismissed out of hand because that's not the idea, um, people stop offering ideas. And then people stop actually challenging ideas. In effect, they disengage. Which yeah, is and then that, that's the ultimate, yeah, isn't it? You really don't want that. And you can tell um, how many rooms have you been in that I've been in and some team leader or CEO or whatever has been in the room and you look around the room and you think, God, half of you are disengaged mm. straight up. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Yesterday and I, I attended a, well, actually compared, if you like, a organizational launch of, of a number of things that, that it was like a big team day for the for the um, particular business and they were launching things about you know reaffirming their, their purpose as an organization reaffirming their their culture and values and behaviors and one of the great things they did was they actually got some clients in to tell the story from the client perspective to to sort of do that checks and balances to say well this is who we say we are uh, let's hear it warts and all from the clients to see if if that's actually who we are. And which, in and of itself, is a great idea. Oh, it, it was it was awesome, and because the power that the clients held in the room, like after a while, and in anything I say, anything the uh, the MD would say, or the leadership team, or whatever it is says, it it, it actually pales into insignificance <laughs> to, yeah. to what the client says. It, it's quite funny. Um, but anyway, at the end, we're doing a bit of Q and A, and one of the clients on the panel actually then asked the room and said, you know, you know, they went through their values and all that sort of stuff. And they asked the room and said, um, I'd like to ask a question of everyone here. Have you had an open disagreement with, with a, a superior or a boss or, or someone, you know, above you in the pecking order? Um, and, and does it happen? Do you feel safe to do that? And, and hands went up immediately. Like hands went all up around around the room. And, and you know, he got some, de- you know, some discussion around it and things like that. And he said, he goes, and that's why your culture is so strong because you feel free to speak. I think there's a couple of takeouts here for anyone listening. One is get your clients involved in some of these things that you might do because it's absolutely invaluable and if they do choose to get involved with you it says a lot about your business anyway that they're prepared to do it um how many other businesses do you know that would do that or have done that Mm. wealth of information with your clients just there is the other one is um are you having toe-to-toe stand-up fairly heated disagreements do you feel comfortable enough to have that well, not many people feel that comfortable with the toe-to-toe stuff. They don't feel comfortable. <laughs> are, you having it? are you doing it? But, but you, can, you, you, can, you can respectfully disagree as well. And, and it still has the same effect on people that, are, that have this rampant ego, isn't it? Because I can say to you, hey, that's a, that's a shit idea. You know, why would you say that? And you'd be just as pissed off if, if you were, you know, high, high ego drive. If I just said to you, look, is it, you know, do you think we could do it another way? Like yeah, exactly. your your level of your level of um, you know fear and and disdain for that would be the same. 
on a personal level, and this plays out personally as well, I had a bit of a toe-to-toe disagreement with one of my mates last week in that he and another mate pulled a practical joke, which was quite clever but really unfunny. And I told him I thought it was unfunny. Anyway, that morphed into quite an argument, a fairly heated argument, actually. But we both went away. <laughs> I'm trying to find out what this is, but I assume it's an offline conversation. Yeah, well, it wasn't anything rude. Yeah. It just was. I just found it really annoying. But we both came to the agreement that if, as mates, you can't have a fairly serious disagreement, then you're just acquaintances. You're not mates. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I think you know you're so you're so spot on, aren't you? And then you can just morph that into your business if you're not having some of these discussions you need to have. And let me tell you, people, Chris and I have worked in businesses where these discussions were not had. And you pay the price for that sooner yeah. or later. Sooner or later, that's right. And that's the that's the thing that that's that fear piece, isn't it? That that yeah. bobs up for people when they don't want to, um, you know, uh, let let their let their guard down in a way. You know, a lot of people view their ego as a bit of a shield. They do. Um, and in fact, you know, it's usually born out of insecurity, actually. Yeah. Well, and, and that's exactly what happens. So, you know, if it, there's plenty of stuff for listeners to read up on, you know, on the, I guess, the psychology of all this. And it's it's well worth, if, if, if it's an interesting topic to you, and it should be for anyone in a leadership role, um, just poke around and look at some of the stuff. And there's some great blogs and, and um, you know, YouTube accounts and things like that, that will break down this topic in various different ways. But what I have found is that it can get quite deep into some very... Um, you know, psychological, analytical stuff that can be a little bit hard to decipher and link back to to your business, and that's why I think it's um it's important that we just look look at a basic definition around that that need for self esteem or self importance or the sense of self esteem or self importance because we can all we can all kind of attach to that if we reduce our self importance in in any environment, um, then then you're really becoming open to be a, a member of a team, but then be trusted by the team, involve the team and also build the people around you because you just, you will not build a team. You will not build trust or, or endeavor or engagement if you just can't get over yourself. Um, I was just thinking while you're saying that, Pez, do you think we've covered it? Because what I was going to suggest is that we do a bit of a recap and just pull out the things that mm. anyone can use. Yeah, why not? Yeah, so I think do what you said. Uh, go and Google it. I think that TED Talk on Super Chickens just nails it totally. And a lot of people that watch that go, oh, my God, <laughs> that yeah. is what's actually happening here. Um, another point is that ego is not necessarily a bad thing all the time, but it's, um, it's a powerful weapon. Yes, And it really needs to be used in moderation. And if you have got a person with a big ego in your team, you need to find a way to manage that so they either do something on their own or whatever, or sometimes they're not in the team either. That's a port of last resort. And what I would add to this as well is um, as as a a personal self-awareness little check-in, I was working with a group of people uh, last week, and we had the topic of self-awareness. We were getting quite deep into some pretty um, advanced leadership skills, if you like. 
And there's a great little discussion around your blind spots. And you and I have discussed this in the past offline. And when you look at, when you start looking at um, a personal blind spot, it's the things that you are unaware of, but other people see about your character or your, your, your traits or your, your actions or language or just your persona. And it's the opposite to that is the things that you know about that other people don't know about. And these are things we hide or our facade or the, the things we keep behind the curtain, so to speak. And the only way to kind of bridge the two is getting feedback, getting uh-huh. feedback on your style, getting a, doing a review, doing a leadership review, doing a 360, doing some sort of leadership development survey or profile or whatever. There's tons out there. Well, and they all they all give you something decent, you know. They do. There are, and then I would say that none of them are any better than any one other of them. You and I are both trained in the leadership circle. Yeah. But you just reminded me of a story on this, which just kills me every time I think about it, is that someone you and I both know mm. had this done on them. He, they were in a team leader role. And it said they had a big ego. So his um, his report was he chose to have someone tell him his report publicly. And one of the big things that came out of it was their ego. So what did he do? He spent the next 40 minutes dissing the tool. <laughs> as, as if to oh, prove don't the point. Get the irony here? Really? Dissing the tool that said you had a big ego? As if to prove the point. Yeah, yeah totally. Like shot, shot himself in both feet. <laughs> <laughs> so um ego's not necessarily bad uh, the thing that's been coming out here all the way through this conversation is the thing in your business that helps manage big egos is your culture and your values and if you haven't got them it might be a good idea if you do 100 percent um and and just a closing story on that and you and you are so right and, and it, a lot of it gets back to you can't always change an individual can you nope but you can um, adopt a system and you can adopt a culture. You know, that the culture is, is forms that, you know, at one of the pillars of your system of how you go about things. And if I just close a loop back to that, that series I was saying that I was watching before on the, the insight to the Aussie rules teams. Yeah. There's a couple of great examples of this. Um, the team that eventually won the premiership, and there's a bit of banter with the other teams as well where, where you get an insight to how they view and how they set up. And there was a great little juxtaposition of one of the scenes from one of the other teams was about um, we're, we're going to set up like this and then let like let the natural talent, you know, we've got the talent, we've got the talent, we've got the talent, and it's that's going to get us across the line. And Damien Harwick, the coach of Richmond, all you know what all he reinforces to his team? We are a systems-based team. And this is our the way we play, not technically, but our values and our behaviours. This is how we play. We're a systems-based team. If someone goes out, someone comes in and does their job, and that's it. And it's, it, it was a fantastic, um, I guess, illustration of the way you set up your culture and your behaviours and your systems of, of work are what actually controls the egos because then – People can either join in or not. They, they can either play the way you want to play the game or they don't have to play the way you want to play the game. And the other example to that was 
this this confronting scene in the Adelaide Crows, the team that hadn't hadn't won a game for 13 weeks. They were having a bit of a crisis meeting with their with their midfield and showing them the video analysis. And they said, this is going to be ugly and it's going to be confronting. And they were going, you know, pulling the game apart um, on video where they'd lost badly. And a lot of it pointed to one of the particular players in the team simply not doing their job. Being, being there for, I guess, the, the easy, kind of the easy kick or the, you know, the, the Hollywood sort of stuff, but not doing the down and dirty stuff. And there was a little bit of argy-bargy between the assistant coach and this particular player. And the head coach popped in and said, if you don't think it's part of your job to, to run both ways, if you don't think it's part of your job to actually do the, do the hard stuff that we, that we also need you to do, then you can come in here, you can grab your bag and you can go. And, and that was essentially said in front of the, you know, their, their leadership group and the midfield group. And it was basically just saying, we can't have prima donnas in the team. We need to have people that buy in team. the way that we want to play. Yeah. I was um, just in closing, I was doing a culture values exercise with a fairly large owner operator business. And I said to the CEO of that business, you know, when you do this, you're quite likely to lose a couple of people because <laughs> they'll go, this is not me. And we did it. And that's exactly what happened. And I went back and talked to her and I said, well, how are you feeling about those three people leaving? And she said, singularly delighted. <laughs> Isn't now, now they had it completely unified. Wonderful. I think there's quite a few takeouts of things people can do who run their own businesses and values and culture. Your values kind of make your culture, really. Um, yeah. If you haven't done it, it's a really good thing to do. And it's worth money. It really is. It's Unbelievable. Like and and oh, you know what I'll add? And this, this is going to be a bit of hard medicine to people who, who listen to this. As, as someone, and this is potentially a little bit of my ego getting in the way here, but as someone who's seen a lot of organisations and a lot of leaders and a hell of a lot of like countless meetings and you know leadership meetings and board meetings and things like that, I am immediately sceptical of the person at the top of the tree or the people at the top of the tree who sit around the, the, the tables of influence, so to speak, who don't want to investigate their leadership style. Well, it, that's just a that's just a red light warning, major alarm bell right there. I, I immediately get very skeptical of it because it, it it's it's this whole thing about being ego driven and and being scared or fearful of what it might say, despite the fact that it doesn't actually matter what it says, because the fact that you actually do it is the most, A, liberating thing to understand, but B, it gets you, it builds the trust in your team that you are willing to throw yourself at the same um, tools that you're expecting your other team members and leaders to go through. That's exactly right. That's it. I think that's a great point to finish on. So leaders of businesses, go and get your leadership style examined. Or ask for feedback or get it. Or ask for feedback. It doesn't have to be, you know, sit there and do a survey. Just ask people around you, how am I going? If you could tell me anything you want to let me know without any judgment, go for it. You know, mentor. That is such a good idea. That, that in itself is a great idea. You don't need to do the big 360 thing. Just that. Yeah. 
And and I'll leave you with this, Egg. Yep. I think we've uncovered a bit of good stuff this morning. Yep. In that series I was watching, the, the joke of the AFL is the Gold Coast Suns. Okay. And they appointed a coach, Stewie Jew, who doesn't look like a who doesn't look like a typical uh, elite sports coach. He's he's a bit roly poly. He's he's probably the champion of of blokes like you know you and me. And <laughs> we'd look at him and go, yeah, we can associate with him because he's a he's not you know a trim taut you know chiselled athlete as a coach. But you know what he did? One of his 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 best young player um, got injured early on in the season. He was out for the year, and as and during his rehab, um, the high performance manager you know, like the, 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 call it the, the old sports physio said to this young guy, we're going to do a challenge to just to break up his rehab and all that sort of stuff. We're going to do a challenge. They set up these bikes and they've got a particular challenge where they're these, you know, those stationary bikes and they've got screens yeah. and they're going to climb Mount Everest. It's a, it's a, it's a, a solid hill climb that takes 16 hours to complete. Right. The coach, Stewie Jew, who's the guy that's not the picture of fitness that I was letting you know about. He said, "I'm going to come in and do it with you." So what did he do? He knew it was going to. He he what he, he knew he a he wasn't going to complete it, and b it was he wasn't going to get it anywhere near it in 16 hours. So he got in there four or five hours earlier in the day. So he got in there like four in the morning and started. So by the time these other guys came in, he was four hours into it. By the time they finished the ride, he'd still only completed like a third or half of the way. Right. What does it tell you about him as a leader? Yeah, this guy just, well, prepared to be vulnerable. Bingo. Prepared to be vulnerable because he said, I'm, I'm nowhere near as fit and I'm going to, you know, I could, this could put, hold me up to ridicule. First thing was prepared to be vulnerable. Second thing was he's prepared to do what they're asking, you know, the young charge to do. And the third thing was he sat beside him the whole way and, and did it with him. Perfect. That's lovely. I think I'm going to have to do a bit of homework here, Pez, on getting some stories that aren't sport-related now. Because there's, the reason I say that is there's so many good stories in sport. Because mm. they're teams, basically. Well, they're not basically. They bloody are. It's, it's a team game. It is a team game. It's many team games out there. Well, yeah. c- compare your, your average footy, soccer, soccer, rugby, netball, basketball, whatever team, to um, how... F1 drivers and tennis players carry on. You know, it's completely different. Golfers. Completely not a regard. Yeah. 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 They've got to manage those F1 drivers. Man, oh, man. Can you... <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about prima donnas. Yeah. All right. Why don't we leave it there, mate? I think it's really good. Um, we will leave it there. So I think there are some takeouts for everyone. Um, yeah. Jump on Facebook. We'll, we'll release this through Facebook, through the Better Business Podcast on Facebook. Hit us up on our LinkedIn accounts, Mark Eggleston or Chris Pesamenti. Um, We'd like some commentary. We really would uh, if you can be bothered doing it. Yeah, if you can be bothered. If you can get over yourselves. <laughs> if you can jump over <laughs> your egos. <laughs> That's okay. We won't judge. No, no judgment here. Good on you, mate. Lovely talking. See ya. See ya.